Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This holiday season, we're getting drunk. Join Emily and Flo as they drink their way through December with a different festive genre each week as voted for by you. Action. Horror. Classic. What is eggnog? Children. Never really had a glass of milk anymore. And never seen before. I've never seen Die Hard. So grab a sherry and a mince pie and join in the fun. Why this film's Drunk Christmas starts December the 1st. But, you know, I think that's a part of growing up. You just, you get, like, these cartoons put immeasurable guilt on you about stuff you can't control and you just live with it. And that's life. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. And welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pluck out a movie, give it a rewatch, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade, and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why this film? And I'm joined today by Casey. Hello. Hey, good morning. (laughs) Hello. Good, good afternoon. (laughs) Magic time travel. Um, Very exciting. Your chosen movie is Brenda Starr, 1989. The IMDb breakdown. A comic book artist struggling with his Brenda Starr strip decides to draw himself into it when his comic book character is disappointed and leaves the strip. Why this film? So this movie, I don't know. I feel like more, the reason I I feel like more people should watch it because I feel like it's very underrated and like nobody really knows about it. Like when I bring it up to my friends, like some of my friends who are like more into like films are like oh yeah that like weird little movie from like the 80s that got delayed release for a couple years um but i don't know it's it's kind of like i I feel like it's like very uh like cool world or uh roger rabbit wow i just couldn't remember the full title of that (laughs) film for a second there Um, yeah Absolutely. Um, the minute it started, I got like Cool World vibes, but without the like weird sex vibes that Cool World gives. Yeah, so like it, a kid-friendly Cool World. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with a lot less animation, so it's a little mm. bit, it's a little bit easier, <laughs> I guess, for the uh, for the people directing the film. But it is, it is definitely yeah. very Cool World. Yeah. So, when was the first time that you remember watching it? So I know I was really I was pretty young. I it just appeared the VHS just appeared in my house. Like yeah, I don't even I know. <laughs> my mom I think my mom bought it like at a Hollywood video sale or or like when our local um video rental place was going out of business. But 
it just appeared in my house and I had this really great um for my like one of my birthdays when I was really young my my parents bought me like a big a big tv with like a built-in vcr it was like the shit I couldn't watch like tv tv (laughs) on it but I could watch as much as many vhs's as I wanted that's all you need yeah exactly (laughs) um so I have like I started like like collecting vhs's from downstairs and like pirating them sneaking them (laughs) up to my bedroom and that was one of the ones I happened to grab nice uh, I was like, oh, well, it looks kind of fun, and I, I put it on, and then I was just, I watched it all the time. I, like, yeah. wore out that VHS. I love it. <laughs> Have you been able to transfer it onto DVD, or has it been, like, impossible? So, unfortunately, um, when, uh, at some point in, like, my teenage years, my parents decided to get rid of all our VHSs because, you know, they were pretty much same thing it's it's horrible so we had like a couple vhs's but they were all the ones that were downstairs and my parents just donated all of my vhs's from my bedroom to uh to goodwill so some other person has my old brenda star copy that's very sad and then i hadn't been able i hadn't thought about it in like years until recently and then i went and i looked it up online and luckily it was on amazon and i I watched it again and I was like, wow, there's there's a lot of things that I remember differently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So I'd, I'd never heard of this movie at all. Um, like, and there was a TV show from the 70s and there was a comic strip before that. And I, I hadn't heard of any of the sort of things uh, leading up to it. Um, I did manage to watch it yesterday, thanks to you. I was searching the internet, scouring the internet. I was like, please somewhere and thank god you found you found somewhere that it was available so i was able to watch it um yeah it's really fun like i i did enjoy it and i'm sure we'll have similar things that we've noticed here in 2020 that are perhaps you know not not as cool as they perhaps were back in 1989 um but like overall i thought it was brilliantly ambitious and i really liked what they were trying to do this sort of cool world roger rabbit thing where the real life person like goes to be with the sort of fictional animated or comic in this world comic book person um and the sort of conjoining of those two worlds and what that might mean and what that might look like and I thought whilst arguably a little bit poorly done I thought it was such a brilliant idea and there were so many wonderful moments that I wanted more of so I really commend it for its ambition and I thought it was brilliantly cast and it was a lot of fun and it was gorgeous to like look at as well but um, what were the main things you found from as a child to an adult being like, ha ha, that's uh, not what I recall. <laughs> well, I remember her eyes being a lot bluer. Like there's like a whole focus on how blue her eyes are in the film, like where they keep doing like close ups of Brooke Shields eyes. And <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember them being a lot more like a lot more blue and mm. like brilliant than they were. They were like. She has beautiful eyes. I they were a little like muddier than I remember. Yeah, feels, like musty. It feels mean to say that, but uh, you know. <laughs> no, isn't that funny though? How like 
like I used to remember things certain colors and then I go back and they were com they're a completely different color to what I've like very firmly remember them being I was like why did I think that was yellow when this whole time it's been blue like really bizarre yeah exactly and then I I, I remembered like I thought I remembered a scene where like Brenda was uh sneaking in through a window and there wasn't the the scene that I thought there was so I don't know <laughs> like I think it's because there was a scene maybe there was a cut scene or something because I remember there being a picture of her on the on the VHS cover in that like orange and and red uh outfit that she the one that she gets from like the lady in the jungle because yeah you the, know. like jungle book woman with the pot on her head <laughs> yeah exactly I remember there being a picture of her like sneaking into a window in like in the like in the middle of a window in that in that outfit so I thought there was like a scene where she was like sneaking into a window in like San Juan but I think I just conflated some uh, like 15 different things that happened yeah. in the movie together. <laughs> yeah and maybe there was because there's a moment where she's in that outfit and they're tied up and they're unable to get themselves untied and then I don't know if it was the same in your copy the next scene she's in an evening gown in the garden and they're, they're untied and it's fine and I was like I guess we didn't need to see them get out of that scrape <laughs> guess they nailed it <laughs> no yeah exactly yeah that's <laughs> so I wonder if there was perhaps something there originally to just sort of be like and here's how they got untied anyway rather than just doing them anyway <laughs> that's done yeah, they just completely skipped that. I forgot that actually too until we, <laughs> yeah. until I rewatched it. I was like, "What the?" F and they like tied them up with like, fr it was really. It's a very strange and interesting movie. It's like <laughs> it's really cool. Like I really, really am not um, shitting on it in any respect. Like, like as as often um, my sort of disappointment comes from true disappointment, where I saw what they were doing and for whatever reason they couldn't quite get there with it um and but it's it's so much fun and i love i love that they're tying them up with like pieces of shitty rope that they just had on their person. it's not even rope it's like some i don't even know how they're tying them and then they like put a shawl around their necks for like no reason and they're just like done um <laughs> so to sort of cover the plot beyond the imdb breakdown basically the comic book strip artist who's not even an artist he's trying to get into architecture school um yeah. but he's like coloring in brenda star for some dough on the side if you will um she gets fed up and she's like i'm out of here buster and she's played by brooke shields and she is beautiful um utterly gorgeous and her outfits are to die for and she okay put a pin in that because i'll come back to that but um, basically, the comic book artist draws himself into the comic book strip and like, like he knew it was going to work and it did work. And he has no fear on how he's going to get out because he knows how to get out. Because, I don't know, maybe that's something they teach you in art school. Like, <laughs> if you ever need to chase your comic book character through the uh, pages, this is how you do it. Um, so he goes and he tries to find her. And fundamentally, I think what it was thematically could have been about was this idea of 
him falling in love with her as a character in terms of from a creative point of view where like i'm gonna get super deep with this like <laughs> comic book movie because i could see all these themes in it the idea is that he's meant to fall in love with drawing her and fall in love with the idea of telling her story so he's able to go back to his job and do it to the best of his ability of course what actually happens is that he just like shallowly falls in love with brenda because she's super hot um, because everybody falls in love with Brenda because she's super hot, you know, which is not a problem, especially in 1989. She's a good enough woman character that, it, like, you know, it's not her fault. And she doesn't make particularly bad choices either of re-feminism. But um, I did think the moment where he was like, come on, Brenda, you got to choose. Is it going to be Timothy Dalton or me? It's like, whoa, you've been here like five minutes. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Who even are you? Um, also, that's a really yeah. easy choice because Timothy Dalton in this movie <laughs> is just very suave and and charming. My goodness, it like it didn't even have to be his audition. He'd already been cast as Bond because he was he, three days after wrapping this, he went and started The Living Daylights, and he is in tight black trousers with swooshy black shirts, an eye patch, just crushing it in every respect and he's mature and he's like romantic and he's suave and the comic book character is the complete opposite of all of those things and it's not in like a oh but deep down he's more of a real person and so because because brenda's not a real person so she deserves to be with this like completely ridiculously perfect man because she's completely ridiculously perfect and i really liked the weird choice that they had where they had her conversing with her artist and he was like come on just say shit just say it just say shit and she's like no you say jeepers and he's like oh come on i'm not gonna fucking say that and i was like what rating is this movie who is this trying to be for because what they've clearly tried to do is be like, right, well, we want to do Brenda Starr. Like, if someone was like, we've picked up this 1950s comic book character and we want to do it for a modern-day audience, we can't just do it because people don't relate to that old-fashioned Clark Kent vibes of, like, jeepers, mister, we got to solve this crime quickly. Don't know where that was from, but, um, you know, they have to kind of, like, zhuzh it up a bit to make the modern audience on board. And then, so they do it by having this artist come in who's allowed to swear and who's allowed to, like, make reference to things. But then it means that she makes reference to things, like, going back to her outfits. I was like, that's so cute, but, like, she would not be able to afford them on her salary. And then, like, half an hour later, she's like, I mean, I don't mind the wardrobe that you give me. Of course, I'd never be able to actually afford it on my salary, but that's beside the point. And I was like, hey! <laughs> <laughs> that's great that you like acknowledge that and like i find that really fun and self-aware because you you know you're a comic strip but that wasn't there wasn't enough of that you know what i mean that's what I, I i mean i think i wanted it i loved it so much i wanted more it's not that there wasn't enough because the film is perfectly fine in its own right um but i wanted more of that i wanted more of the sort of experimental like self-aware meta vibes because like i really loved what they tried to do with that did you when you were a kid did you like not get it because that sounds patronizing but like i don't know what did you think uh when i was like 
when I was a kid, I think I I was just I I have like a much older dad, um, so I grew up on like a lot of fifties stuff. So nice. like I was very, and my dad also was a history teacher. Um, so I like, I knew a lot more than most kids about like time period stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of liked it in that regard. I, it made me feel very smart to watch it, especially yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, look at me. I'm so mature and sophisticated watching this movie that nobody else my age knows about, about this 1940s comic book character that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and I really, I always, her outfits, I was trying to explain this movie to my friend. I was texting her about it yesterday because I was telling her I was doing this. And she was like, tell me about the movie. And I was like, oh, you need to watch it. First of all, you're going to love to, I know her type. And I was like, you're going to fall in love with Timothy Dalton in this movie. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> this movie is just costume porn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, That's it. That's the word for it. It really is. There's, there's, there, she's, she wears, oh, man, I wanted to. I meant to rewatch it again this morning because I wanted to, I like had this idea this like last night of counting how many times she changes outfits <laughs> and then I woke up way too late for to watch an hour and, and a half movie again <laughs> for the second yeah. time in a week. But uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she wears like a ton of outfits, a like lot. she yeah. finds so many costume changes. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Even when she's like in the jungle and, and, and there's no stores around. She just like this random woman walks by and she's like, I will trade outfits with you. You take this, <laughs> yeah. this, uh, circus performer outfit. Like, and I will... leotard. <laughs> like enjoy returning to your village with your water and vegetables in this spangly leotard while I take your very practical, like, outfit that just happens to fit me completely ideally i love it <laughs> it's it's uh yeah i i really i was into it for i was into the costumes i was i was really intrigued by the timothy dalton's family curse thing that really doesn't get explained which i'm very disappointed yeah. about i know and like the whole time i was like because i know timothy dalton weirdly mainly from hot fuzz where he plays the like monstrous villain and so the whole time I was like, any minute now, he's going to be the villain, which is why she'll end up with the comic book writer. And it never happened. So I was like, oh, I guess he does have a tragic family curse and he is sympathetic and romantic. And that's actually kind of nice that she wasn't like duped. She was just romanced. And like, that's great. <laughs> it would fit. Uh, Hollywood d did have a... Uh... A history of making the Brits villains in movies, especially in the 80s. Exactly! And he had an eye patch. So I was like, that man is not a good man, surely. This is the 80s, please. It's very, it's very interesting. He's like, he's, oh, he's just so suave. And then he has like this mysterious mansion in the middle of the jungle for some reason. <laughs> and it, like he shows up on a horse in San Juan. Yeah. Nothing he does makes any sense. And it's beautiful. It's so good. <laughs> He literally even establishes himself. He's like, I'm going to show up randomly for no real reason. And she's like, okay. And then he does. It's like, gosh, we're in a real pickle right now. And he's like, hello, can I canoe you? And she's like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> Thanks. How did you know? And he's like, I always know where you are. And it's like, okay, that's never going to get explained. Kind of creepy, but all right. I love it because it really, it really adds to the comic, the comic comicness of the movie yeah. because like 
they don't explain really weird things. And the only person who seems like put off or put back by them is the comic writer who's not even that put off by them because he, he knows that they're in a comic and like, so the whole time you're just like, it, it w- in any other movie, it would be like, what the hell's going on? But in this movie, they just, everything can just be written off by the fact that like they're in a comic and they're aware they're in a comic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, I, yeah, I didn't question anything. It just that skip, that skip from being tied up to like being outside in a completely different outfit. I was like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> But yeah, everything else, you're just like, yeah, makes sense. Guess yeah. he's got a canoe now. <laughs> he's got a canoe and he's got some some lunch for everybody. And the canoe is like, <laughs> it's it's not very long when he rows up, but then when he rows yeah. out, it's long enough so that there's like a good six feet of distance between Brenda Starr and, and uh, Mike, the comic artist. It's so true. He rows up in like a kayak and then they go out in like a barge. Like it's so bizarrely differently sized. I was like, have they changed canoes? Did he get a different canoe? Or did he just like, I don't know. Very funny. Um, But no, it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of it. I mean, the opening is so like immediately dramatic. And that's really, really fun. There's no sort of like, weird establishing nurse there's just sort of like i'm writing a comic book about this woman and she's annoying and the woman's like well fuck you and then it's like action scene and you're like cool i'm on board oh yeah Um, when she goes into the building and and interviews the uh the the bank robber or whatever with the really terrible irish accent Oh my god, it yeah. was so bad. It was so bad. I was like, are you trying there's like there's like a lo- like a line he says where I had to like go back and re-listen to it five times because like in his attempt to, to do an Irish accent, he slurred it so bad that like it all became one word. Yeah. It's like get over there or something like that. It just became like one mumble word. Yeah, I noticed that I had no idea what he was saying. I thought he was speaking like a different language for the first like few minutes that we were with him. I was like, maybe he's speaking like German or something and that's why I don't understand. <laughs> but no, it was just his Irish accent. Um but no it's and that's where we meet her main rival, Libby Lips Lipscomb, which is I mean, I think this movie passes the Bechdel test. I'm not going to lie. I think it does. It absolutely does. A lot. Yeah. Every time the two of them talk, it's never about a dude. It's always about newspapers. Yeah. It's about the story or the, like, framing her or, like, yeah. It's, um, so that's really good. So I didn't mind that. And the primary antagonist is a woman as well. Oh, the Russian lady. Yeah, they're really fun antagonists. Like I know it's very classic to make Russia the enemy, but you've got is it Jeffrey Tambor as like this almost mute, dumb sort of Russian man being hounded by this sort of very tiny woman who like <laughs> smokes cigars. Um, so I thought that was really fun as well. How like the sort of three main people were women. I was like, that's really weirdly progressive um and fun to see like um in this movie that very very easily could have had every other character be male and no one would really question it 
Um, and like you get the idea, I sort of Googled some of the images from the comic book, like back in the, uh, the Flash newspaper, she's got her, I think it's her photographer, who's like a woman as well. And she's got this very distinct hairstyle. And I was like, I bet that's like a copy by copy, like look from the comic books. And it was. Um, oh, Hank. Yeah. Yeah. She looks perfect. Um, so that was really fun. And I kind of wanted um, that character more in the in the movie, to be fair. I wanted I wanted her to go along with Brenda, but it's fine. She should have been. She should have been in the jungle with Brenda. The two of them. Yeah, I would love a like just that that movie. Except for like, if Mike was like not with them for the most of the time, and it was just the two of them, and like Mike chasing them like with uh Timothy Dalton. If Timothy Dalton and Mike like met up and they were like, "Oh no, Brenda's in danger," and they like were following her, and she was just like kicking everything's ass while they were like, Timothy Dalton's like not really worried because he's a comic character, and and yeah. Mike's like. What are you talking about? I need her so that I can get back to <laughs> this work. Is my can't... livelihood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would pay. I would pay money for that movie. I definitely would. Like that would have been so much fun. And I really loved the way that it was very sort of Elle Woods vibes. How she was able to be like, she gets out of a scrape. She gets captured by the Russians quite early on, and she gets out of it within seconds. And I was totally on board with it because she like, she like like um throws her like compact powder in their face then like sprays perfume in their eyes hits them with her handbag and then just like climbs over all these roofs in like stiletto heels like like if you hated jurassic world for that scene don't watch brenda start because this is all she does she's running and climbing and jumping in stiletto heels and it's fabulous (laughs) Oh yeah, climbing all over the roofs of San Juan, and literally, it, the locations are really interesting too because the majority of it takes place in uh, in South America. Um, mm. I feel like undisclosed, really, where in South America it was the Amazon, but that's like you know, that's like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and and it's I think that uh yeah for sure she's definitely. Brenda Starr, feminist icon. She like goes to bat for herself and for her coworkers against her boss when she finds out that their salaries are going to be cut. Uh, she like goes and when she gets like to go when when she's in like the first scene with the the Irish mobster and she's like, "You should turn yourself in." Like she tries to befriend him to get him to turn himself in, also for the story, of course, because she's a reporter. And then he like tries to use her as a hostage, and she's just like, "I don't care, just shoot him, shoot him, yeah. don't sh- yeah. shoot, shoot me, I don't care." And then like, she's she's dope, she's so dope. She's she like- literally, she's so like brave, and I mean, the the worst thing you could say about her is that she's a Mary Sue, but she's a comic book character. So like, you know, and as a as a role model for young women, I think she's fucking badass. Like if the worst thing about you is that you don't have any flaws, like (laughs) you're doing fine. (laughs) I love, I love when she's in the hospital and she pulls the, the big, like she gets, she falls off of a building and all (laughs) they take her into the ambulance and all they have is like a little like strip bandage around her whole head. Um, And then when she gets to the hospital and then, uh, she takes that off, and there's just a little tiny X bandage on her forehead. Yeah, I like love X. that. 
that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite things when people make fun of that in movies like about comic characters is that like they don't get injured yeah never seen worse injuries (laughs) than like a little bandage for something like i love always in like a cross like (laughs) so it's not even covering the injury it's like how can it She fell and all she got was a little teeny tiny... Little bump, little bump on the head there after falling 12 stories onto an Irishman onto the road. (laughs) I don't think he died either. I think he got got bust. (laughs) Nobody dies in comics. Even even at the end, like, when they have, like, the big, uh, the big brawl in the Amazon by the, uh, like, by the river and, like, the Russians and and Libby and, and... the three main characters are all like fighting over the bag with like the the fuel in it because uh i guess we haven't mentioned this yet but like the the plot device is that there's like a miracle fuel that this german scientist who's hiding out in the amazon has created and it's the big scoop that brenda needs to save the newspaper and therefore save her and her friend's jobs and uh they're all fighting over it and (laughs) and then the russian lady gets eaten by an alligator and it's yeah one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when, like, after everybody leaves and the alligator has eaten both the Russians and is just smoking a cigar as it pulls along the river and you can just hear the Russians arguing inside of it. I just... Cla- classic. <laughs> absolute classic. Like, they're fine. They've just been eaten whole by this terrifying alligator, which Brenda manages to either befriend or... I have to admit, I like it was like happening 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 and like i'm quite frightened of like crocodile alligator type things and so i just sort of like went to like pour myself another drink and then turned back to the screen and brenda had two crocodiles on a lead and she was like riding them across the river and i was like what did i miss <laughs> what i can tell you literally you miss nothing it just they, some, one of the boys goes where's brenda and then the camera pans over and there's like very like classy music playing as Brenda Starr is right is surfing two alligators also I was terrified of alligators when I was a kid because I um at a like a lot our library did like uh books for kids readouts sometimes and one of the ones they did was uh the woman who got swallowed by a crocodile or whatever that story was yeah I was and then there was a picture of a lady in my house and I for some reason, my child brain thought that that was the lady who got swallowed by the crocodile. So I was just absolutely terrified that there was like crocodiles under my bed or something when I was a kid. Oh so that, that move, that scene was a nightmare for me when I yeah, was little. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh my god, that's horrific. They're really scary because they are real. They're obviously real alligators, and they're, they're you know I imagine they're not anywhere near the cast members. Although who knows? It was the eighties. <laughs> Health and safety wasn't quite a thing back then. Um, ugh, but yeah, no, I, I don't know where my fear came from. It's, it's a, it's a weird one. It's, it's combined with Komodo dragons, just gradually, which I think came from, um, Journey to the Center of the Earth, the 1950s uh, one. Oh, that is where completely they... understandable. Yeah. I didn't yeah. see that until I was much older. Otherwise I probably would have got that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I can pin it on that. Just like, uh, 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 no, I can't even like talk about it. It's so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that, the the crocodiles are real but then also the thing like what that when I was a kid I guess because I was so scared of crocodiles and alligators I I didn't really realize but re- re-watching it as an adult like 
the the when they are models it is super clear that they are not real yeah like the, you can you feel like you can reach out and like tap on their hollow ass skulls <laughs> yeah. like the plasticky skulls especially with the one that's like with the with the with the, <laughs> the cigars tooling along down the river oh yeah. man that's that scene is great it is chaos Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, yeah, I just love, and also I just love the Russians. All the villains are great. Libby is great. Yeah, Libby's she, brilliant. She has like this amazing voice. Yeah, this sort of like much deeper, like like what you'd expect. It's that classic sort of blousy brown versus Tallulah vibes, where like she seems a little bit older and a little bit more bitter and a little bit just more like wah, 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 about things. Whereas Brenda's like, kind of thing. And Brenda's like, Brenda's kind of like the ingenue on like a level. And and then Libby is like, like she uses her, her, uh, her sexuality to like get her out of scrapes and stuff like that, which (laughs) is like, obviously not great for, for like, out of like a, from like a feminist viewpoint, like, you know, you want people like women to feel comfortable in their sexuality, but like. The idea of like the villain character being the one who has who is more sexual is like a little like yeah okay. it's very dated sort of femme fatale vibes it was really interesting so i was thinking about that when i was watching it because on the one hand you do have the brilliant uh the russian villain who is like sort of plaits kind of like tightly up in her head and like she's basically wearing like a suit with a tie the whole time and she's just like very sort of like hands-on and like running and like so you've got a brilliant female antagonist that's very sort of down to earth and not like um wishy-washy femme fatale just like evil like there you go there's the russian evil one um and then you've got libby which is the more femme fatale um, very Brendery in that she always wears really nice stuff and she's always done up really well. But again, she's willing to get her hands dirty. Like when she gets off that helicopter and she just like yeets herself into the water and <laughs> swimming towards the robo, I was like, Han, your hair! But like they never minded. They were always both willing to do whatever it takes to get that scoop. Um, but in order to get onto the helicopter, she did offer her garter to the pilot, um, which, yeah, I was like, Oh, it's interesting because by this point we've seen Brenda make out with two different men for no real reason either time. So in theory, they're both as bad as each other in terms of like, they're both willing to just like have a good time while you're here. Like, oh, you want to kiss me? Okay, well, I want to kiss you. Um, You never get the idea that neither of them are doing anything because they don't want to. Now, when she gets back onto the helicopter, she is like, can you follow them because we need to capture them and get the fuel formula and the pilot you just hear the pilot say okay but i'll need more than just your garter this time and then you hear the classic trope of the like but she's not it's interesting because i was like is this the classic trope of the like you know sort of um young frankenstein vibes where it's the stuck-up woman finally has sex and then she's like totally chill about everything but it's not because she's already offered her garter and like she doesn't say no to what he's asked in order to helicopter her to Timothy Dalton's mansion. And then when they get to Timothy Dalton's mansion, they're clearly like an item now and they're doing stuff together. And that's really lovely. But as the helicopter goes off, you sort of hear the classic sort of like, oh, this is nice noises. And you're like, 
<laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, it's a little, that's the part that's a little iffy. Like, it's, mm. that's a little bit weird. Um, But, yeah, it's, it is really interesting that, like, when they get off the helicopter, she's just kind of like, this is my boyfriend, essentially. Yeah, like, we're together now. And it's like, that's nice. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't. There was clearly some form of consent there that was not perhaps explicitly told to the audience because of what happens. But yeah, I didn't like that they were clearly trying to be like, and you can choose to not see it like this, but they were trying to be like, I will give you my data because I am the whore journalist and I am the evil journalist yeah. because rah, 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 I am the slut journalist. And it's like, brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. We're all so proud of you, writers. <laughs> um, interesting that Mike pointed out, is it Mike? Um, pointed yeah. out who's the uh, artist, pointed out that the creator of Brenda Star was a woman. I didn't actually look into any of it but it's um the story seems to have been written by both a woman and a man for this movie um but it's interesting that the original character was written by a woman which is not surprising because i can't imagine in the 40s any man is going to be like you know what will make me money if i write about a woman like no <laughs> yeah absolutely well I mean, unless they're the guy who made Wonder Woman, but like also his his wife was like very his wife heavily did that. involved. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're like girlfriends, wasn't it? Weren't they in yeah. like a polyamorous relationship? And it was like the two of them, like she was the muse and the wife sort of did the main thingy. And then he was just the one that was like, I got a story for you. I was vaguely involved. <laughs> but it's actually really interesting because there were several like female comic characters in the time that like comics... Comics are sort of like a thing that I I uh, have studied a lot because I'm very interested in comics and like cool. <laughs> there were like quite a few comic book characters at the time that were that were female characters that were actually created by men so it's really interesting like it was hard for women to break into that industry like there's Katie Keene for instance who's like this fashion model character that was like in Archie comics in the 40s who oh. is. I feel is like super boring to be completely honest. I used to read Katie Keene comics when I was a kid. I had like, again, I have a much older dad. So he used to buy me like the old, old Archie comics, like collections nice. and stuff. Um, and Katie Keene is like just this supermodel. She's quite boring, but she was created by a dude. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's Brenda's so much more dynamic. And I definitely like feel like the fact that she was created by a woman like helps in that regard. Cause you know, yeah, you can kind of sense it. And I don't know really what I mean by that. I think whether it's an allowance of the, an, an ability to do things or a, an understanding of reactions to situations or because everyone's, different and you know fundamentally gender is a social construct but then of course society does play into it to a point um so when we talk about male and female writers writing different genders there's a whole conversation that i'm not at all qualified to go into that <laughs> that's fair but um <laughs> but it's also interesting it's, because yeah. um the woman who uh wrote Brenda Starr had to go by a male pseudonym to break into the industry too. Right, classic. It was uh, a yeah. Dale Messick, I think, was what she called herself. Oh, is... that's cool. Yeah, which I'm always like, 
that super badass, you know, your George Eliot's and your um your Bronte sisters and stuff. But it 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 is a shame, but it is good that they did it. Like I only found out that George Eliot was a woman like two years ago. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> everyone was like yeah no doy that's like the most famous like fake man woman author and i was like oh my god <laughs> you can tell i didn't study english at university um, <laughs> but yeah she's a really cool character she's like a like i sort of said like a prototype l woods and it's in that sort of wonderful yeah. thing that we really veered away from in my childhood where <laughs> It, it was like you can look super hot and be like really smart and like down to earth and like do stuff whereas like when I was a teenager it was like you can either be Paris Hilton and you can play dumb or you can be like grungy and like those are your options yeah for um. sure it's <laughs> <laughs> also uh, I want to kind of get back to what you're saying about the uh, the Soviet lady because mm. I think that's also really an interesting thing is because um, that's just what Americans thought women in the Soviet Union were like like very masculine like it's also another like weird sexist thing right because it's like the yeah. idea of like that women in the Soviet Union were all like masculine and because they like had given away their femininity like somehow femininity is inherently tied to tied capitalism with... yeah but <laughs> it's, it's interesting because also she kind of reminds me there's like this wendy's commercial from around the same time um where there's like this lady announcing it's like the the soviet fashion show or whatever and uh all every single outfit like swimwear evening wear what day wear they're all like literally the same thing and they're, mm -hmm. they're and the woman announcing it is like wearing almost exactly the same thing as yeah. this lady like the the idea of like it's just so interesting to me to like watch a movie from back then and, and see like american perceptions of what the soviet union was it's yeah definitely i mean you sort of see it in austin powers even they have that sort of german woman around the the evil table vague memories of austin powers and she's got that sort of very strict more masculine sort of thing um it's so interesting yeah it's really like coming to this in 2020 i was like that's really cool i really like that as like an option for a female antagonist that we have a woman who is quite masculine in her aesthetic and she's allowed to be quite down to earth and really get her hands dirty but it was an insult initially and they were trying to be like as you say like look at how terrible i don't know socialism communism is I forget <laughs> why they hated Russia, but <laughs> uh, uh, America hated Russia uh, because communist bad communist when no iPhone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Co communist when no Reaganomics. Um, yeah, but <laughs> the 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 other really interesting thing about this movie, I think, is that it was made in 1987 mm. it got its original release in europe in 1989 but they had issues and they couldn't get it it didn't come out in america until 1992 
So it it there like by the time this movie came out in America, you know, uh, a lot of that stuff was already pretty outdated, which I think is probably why it didn't do super well over here. Um, because yeah. by the time it was in theaters, like all their like you know the comic book wave as it were and the sort of uh love of because what it's like the 20 year rule isn't it and like the 70s was really when people were into the 50s and this is even the 40s isn't it so yeah in theory so they've missed that sort of nostalgia wave they'd sort of just come on the end of the comic book wave because i don't think I sort of I read briefly something that was like by the time it eventually came out they'd missed like Batman and they'd missed like like all of these uh, sort of comic book adaptations that had like been successful and then like they died down kind of instantly and then this one came out like hey what's up we're doing a comic book and everyone was like we're bored of that now yeah exactly and it's just it's just too bad because I think it is a really good uh, film altogether and I think if the release hadn't been so badly delayed, and I'm not yeah. 100% sure why it was. No, I couldn't see why. And it, uh, you're right, it's such it's such a shame. Um, when did Cool World come out? This was 92. So it came out the same year, but by then, you know, it's the 90s, it's the early 90s. Uh, you know, we're starting to get into, um, especially over here, you know, everything's got like a little bit more apathetic like uh yeah you more sort of independence day by that point um, yeah it's it's um, really interesting yeah. so it's this is a very strange thing to say but so nirvana's first album came out in 91 okay. and it really changed the cultural zeitgeist in america into like everything you know everything became people started like feeling a lot more about like apathetic and like you know like oh I hate my dad and I love Nirvana so I'm not saying anything bad about that but it super changed like the cultural zeitgeist in music and it also changed it everywhere else so I think that Nirvana is really to blame for the failure of this movie like if you look at this movie if you look at this movie versus um like Cool World like they're very similar movies in a lot of ways but this movie is a lot more like bubbly and peppy yeah. and brightly colored and and hopeful it's innocent and fun isn't it and innocent. it's harmless and then cool world is like disgusting and gritty yeah. and cool yeah. world didn't even do well but it definitely did better no. than this movie <laughs> you that's such that's such an interesting point um america i think yeah oh my god just googling like 90s movies in america you're right there's sort of no room anymore for that sort of innocence and harmless um fun because we've got like fight club and pulp fiction and um and these sort of big epic-y things and i mean who was its desired audience who was it for you know because i can imagine it's for kids but then you've got mike coming in being like just say shit brenda say shit and you're like, I don't think that is for kids. Um, it doesn't tell me what rating it was on IMDb. Um, so... That's a good question. I think it was uh, PG-13, maybe? That makes sense. 
I can imagine that that sort of weird because there's violence but it's very comic book violence and not comic book violence like the dark knight <laughs> I mean comic book violence like kapow um and there's yeah. sort of sex references but you're not gonna get them if you're under the age of like 15 yeah um, I can tell you when I was a kid and I was watching this movie and this, the helicopter started rocking, I did not understand what yeah, that I meant. I didn't know why. <laughs> I was like, oh, is it just when you make out real hard, I guess, yeah. makes things rock back and forth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what a good kiss looks like. <laughs> I also didn't understand the garter belt thing. I was like, what's a garter belt? Especially because they don't show you. She just sort of lifts up her skirt, but the camera very much stays waist up. So you don't even see what she's presenting to him. So as a kid, your imagination must have just been like, I don't know, is it like knee pads? Like <laughs> I just thought it was a belt. I was like, I don't see yeah. a belt on this outfit, but uh, if, if you if you say so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just to <laughs> give him something, and he's interested. So <laughs> he just must really need a new belt. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I love kidding. that. I love how children's brains just accept and make sense of things and they're like yep that seems legit and then like 10 years later you're like oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's true but yeah it's this is oh, it's a very interesting movie and i really feel like it would have done a lot better if it had been released on time and it's it's sad that it was really uh, but also it was released the year i was born which is hey maybe maybe why i feel so connected to it Who knows? yeah <laughs> maybe I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I think I'm mad. Is it, I can't even think it's like a cult movie because I found it so hard to to watch it. Whereas Cool World has more of a sort of existence. This was like, I had to like dig. And like, you know, anyone I mentioned it to, I was like, oh yeah, I'm doing a podcast on Saturday. And they're like, oh, what is it? What's the movie? And I'm like, Brenda Starr. And they're like, what is that? <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's not even like a cult film. That's exact. Mm. You're exactly right. Like nobody, people don't really know what it is. Like if you're really into like obscure movies from the '80s, you're gonna know about it. Or if you like, yeah. or like me, and it, a copy of it mysteriously appeared in your house as a child. <laughs> yeah, or like you've watched the you'd... filmography of either Timothy Dalton or Brenda, um, Brenda Shields. Um, then maybe you'll have come across it. But I can't imagine anything else would have like led you to it yeah or maybe if you're like really into like movies about comic strip characters or maybe if you're like i don't know i i want to say like if you if you watched the the 70s show but like also that's even more obscure like i didn't even realize there was a 70s show until i went to go look for the brenda star movie on youtube uh and yeah. then i saw like all these things from like brenda star the tv show and i was like what yeah 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 um i i came across the same it's and it's so fun it's such a shame that it doesn't even have a cult following that there's no sort of comic-con table dedicated to like obscure female reporters from comic books and you've got like brenda star and april o'neill and like amy adams from superman god that's so rude lois lane <laughs> <laughs> probably be... i apologize to lois lane <laughs> That would be a good. That would be a good movie itself. Ever all the the plucky female reporters from from comics uh, getting together to like do, their do it, own or maybe like gang. 
Maybe like it would be like a a, a mad 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 world esque uh, race for a story where they're all like racing against each other and a lot of like weird things happen to them. That's that would be I'd really watch. cool. <laughs> or like Ghostbusters, but like with them all, and they have to go against one particular like thing. So they're like a big ensemble of friends. I'd love that. That'd be I so like cool. That too. Somebody yeah, write that. Be... Somebody get that. <laughs> You can have that. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. A free free idea for a movie. Take it. Yeah. Run with it. If you need <laughs> to make them the off brand, call <laughs> yeah. them like um May uh I'm trying to think of like another Irish last yeah, name like, and my brain is blanking. O'Malley, like May O'Malley. <laughs> May O'Malley. <laughs> and um uh, Marge uh, Avenue, <laughs> as opposed to love. and like um, that was a weird way to go. <laughs> Karen Moon, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Karen Moon. There you go, free, free for anyone who wants to make a real weird off-brand movie about comic book character, comic book reporters teaming up. And I like the idea that you keep them with their sort of like. I mean, I think what cemented Mike as a douchebag for me was when he refused to say Jeepers. I was like, Mike, we need to be bringing Jeepers back into the common lexicon. Like, that is a fabulous word. And, like, you're forcing her to say shit. You can at least say Jeepers. Like, Jeepers is brilliant. It's up there with Jinkies. Who should it also be part Jeep- of that ensemble? Oh, my God. Yes. Absolutely. And... Oh man, yeah, that was a great, that was a crazy scene. Also, I like the, like, right before that, when she goes to rescue him with her nylons, I, I'm not going to say that I never tried to climb anything using stockings as a child because Uh of that scene. Sure. I don't believe you. (laughs) But I thought about it. I was like, can my tights hold the weight of a fully grown man? Because I want to test that theory now. Because, and like, oh, what did she say? She said the most darling thing. She like tied them together and she threw them down and she was like, it's really hard to find this particular color stocking. So if you could not, um, she, she says something other than rip. She says something lovely, like don't darn them or something. Um, then that would be wonderful. And then obviously the next noise is like a ripping noise. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> but it's really cute. Because she's just so chill. She's just like, I'm going to pull you out of this snake pit with my stockings, but could you not rip them, please? Because they're really hard to find. And then she's like, she's like, the toe is reinforced. I love yeah, that. the toe and heel is reinforced. <laughs> so good. It would have to be with all of the shoes that she's wearing. Oh my god, yeah, my feet hurt watching the movie. (laughs) Right? And she's going up, like, ladders in them, and, like, I was stressed the whole time. I was like, she's gonna, like, slip and fall because she's not wearing appropriate footwear for this job. (laughs) Um, What this is unfair for me to do to you off the cuff with no preparation, but favorite outfit that she wears? Ooh, um... That is a good question. I I don't know. I really I'm really drawn to that like really the pretty uh red and orange 
uh, outfit that she gets from the lady in the jungle. I had an outfit for my fashion poly pockets when I was a kid that was like almost exactly the same thing. So nice. That's fair. It's it's solid. I think because it was the least like sort of glam, flashy thing she wore. I was very much like boom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. What about but you? no, it's very cute. My favorite was the um, the very last thing she wears is he's about to go back into the real world, and she's got this like long, like fuchsia pink, like coat skirt duo on. It's like bright, bright pink, and she always has a brilliantly accompanying hat. She always has gorgeous gloves. Just the hat and the gloves look needs to come back into fashion, and it like never has. We've cycled through fashion. Not that I know at all what I'm talking about, but we've cycled through fashion over the past like 50 years consistently, but we have never, ever, ever brought back the obligatory hat and gloves. And I really think that we should. Let's start it. Yeah. You, you and me can just, on our in our separate countries, just start walking around <laughs> with hats and gloves and see if we can get it to catch on. Yeah, because <laughs> I just think it's so lovely. Like you walk into a place and you have to like remove your gloves and then remove your hat and they just sit on the table next to you and you're just like, don't mind me. I'm just going to get my brunch with <laughs> my gloves on the side. That's exactly where you were ahead in the gloves. You you go yeah. out uh, you go out to like a very nice little brunch place. and A little cafe with outdoor seating. And you sit like very lovely like with your legs to like the side crisscrossed <laughs> and you put your hands on your knees while you're exactly waiting. very demure very demure <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we should bring it back because it's a good look i'm in yay, yay! <laughs> <laughs> um any last thoughts on brenda star um no i feel like we've covered basically everything oh, we haven't really talked about the carnival um i uh, yeah i was gonna bring that up i think i've got it down here is like i've got very few notes because i was just like this is amazing um oh belly button when oh. like there's a weird implication that she doesn't have a belly button because oh it was so wonderful and then i tried to google it as if it had really happened but i couldn't find it but basically, he's like, my belly button. And she's like, what the fuck is a belly button? And he's like, oh, yeah. So remember when we made you go belly undercover and you had to be a belly dancer? Belly dancer, sorry. Um, we weren't allowed to draw you with a belly button. So you don't have a belly button. Because the censors wouldn't let us give you a belly button. And I was like, is that? I believe it. Like, I 100% believe it as a thing. But I couldn't find anything in my very brief google of like oh <laughs> Brenda Starr in a belly dancing outfit um but how interesting is that like whether it's real or not like how what a brilliant it was moments like that that I was like this movie is not like anything else and it's fucking fantastic like what a strange brilliant imaginative little moment she doesn't have a belly button because the censors wouldn't let him draw her a belly button yeah, I thought I I really like that too, and and I like that she thought his belly button was like a war wound because that would be yeah. the strangest war wound of all time. Yeah, yeah, right in the middle of like and like a weird like dent, like <laughs> really bizarre. Maybe he had a zipper belly button, but we saw it. Didn't it was a normal one, right? Like yeah, completely normal. <laughs> 
it didn't make any sense to me i remember watching that one like i remember when i was a kid and i saw that scene and i was like i don't understand what you're saying like, yeah i get that you don't have a belly button but why would you think that's a wound yeah yeah like i i feel like i would rather i would think i would think it was like a birth defect or something if i didn't have if i if i'd never seen a belly button before i'd be like what yeah. happened to you when you were are you, is it does it hurt are you like okay but i wouldn't think it was something from the war it doesn't look like yeah it. yeah literally like ah uh, yes my most recent memory of people having deformities is from the war so i guess that must be what it's from <laughs> like really really bizarre um but yeah sorry the the carnival scene is to put it nicely unnecessary <laughs> like... it's so unnecessary <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere it has no effect on the plot uh the uh, the nicest thing i c about that scene is all the guys doing capoeira because that yeah. is such a freaking cool martial art and performance and uh jeffrey tambor trying to like get through but like <laughs> politely waiting for them to stop kick it to oh that no he's to, like juggling. The juggling yeah you're like these guys juggling and jeffrey tambor is just like politely waiting for them to stop juggling and then like they flat they show like other things happening and go back to him and he's in the middle of the jugglers now waiting yeah. for them to stop juggling again yeah. i i that's like jeffrey tambor is a freaking treat in this movie mm -hmm. when he like is talking to the parrots and then the the, yes. the mean little lady is talking back and <laughs> yeah yeah just really tiny little moments of comedy with him but really like memorable um but no, I agree. And then I guess the only other thing is that Mike sort of saves Brenda's life, if you want to put it like that. Well, he like rescues her off the top of the tightrope walk, which she could have easily done herself, but he just got involved. Um, and then after that, they kiss and he's like, well, I guess we're in love now. And that's that. So you got to be completely uh, monogamous to me. And she's like, do you want to help me get out of the fucking Amazon before we have this conversation? <laughs> um, apparently not. Calm down, Mike. You douche. Mike sucks. Um, like <laughs> honestly, like sucks. Timothy Dalton is trying to show this fuel to all of these townsfolk, and they're trying to get the car going. And Brenda's like, "This is so exciting and lovely. We've come so far." And Mike's just there, like, Brenda, why won't you be my girlfriend? And it's like, shut the fuck up, man. Like. <laughs> Shut up. I like to his... credit. She does say that. She's like, not now. Leave me alone. I like his, uh, his like that he, for some reason, he thinks he can just bring her back into the real world with him. Like, right? he can go back into the real world because he's real, but like, she's not. What Surely would she she'll even just do? Like, crumble. It'll be like stardust where she just literally becomes dust. Like, yeah. And you haven't if... thought this through at all, Mike. Even As if she... usual. <laughs> even if she did become real in the real world, like, what would she do? She doesn't have any, there's, I mean, I know in the 40s, like, like in the past, it was, like, easier to, like, get jobs without, like, a lot of documentation and qualification and shit, but, like, <laughs> even still, like, this woman doesn't know what a belly button is. She's gonna be confused by everything real world. The world is real. She's gonna jump off a building or something doing a reporter job, and she's gonna die. Like, this, she needs to live in a comic book. She's, she's, she's a danger to herself and others when she's not, if she's not in a comic book. Honestly, like, that, she would, yeah, she wouldn't last a day. She would, she would go and they would be like, uh, can I see your degree in, like, media and journalism? She's like, well, jeepers, mister, I just got the biggest scoop you could possibly ask for. And they'll be like, get out of my office. <laughs> and then immediately get run over by a car because she doesn't know how, like, traffic properly works because things don't... Because <laughs> all of the traffic in the comic book world is like... <laughs> rather than just rum. 
yeah when they, when she's driving with the in in san juan that is so unreal it's crazy that one's like it's brilliant she's like she's like trying to like escape and it's just like this would i've never okay i've never been to puerto rico but i got to imagine that like you know in a city like san juan the traffic's got to be like comparable to like i don't know like jersey at least jersey city which is a city in new jersey uh, if you couldn't tell by the name, and, uh, <laughs> driving in Jersey City is a goddamn nightmare and exhausting. So I got like you could never have like a, the, the, just back up into no track. Like this is this seems unrealistic. Uh, yeah, but it's a comic book, so it doesn't matter. But if she was like yeah, there's like three chase... people on the road in the comic book, and she's like, ah. well, yeah, exactly. You know, Mike doesn't want to have to draw all the cars. Yeah, yeah. He's an architect, not an artist. He wants to get into architect school. Like, who does that? Who? There are people dying out here to like be comic book writers, and this guy, this chump, has this opportunity, and he's like, "Man, I want to get be an architect." It's like, shut up, Mike. People will kill for your job. <laughs> Fuck up. But at the end, he does learn to appreciate it, and he learns he to let go, and gives her a little, a little Timothy Dalton orchid. Uh, yes. in her hand which is nice but also nice. just you know fuck mike yeah literally he's the, he's the main antagonist of this movie <laughs> like he's so obnoxious he's not even in most of the movie like for a decent portion of the movie and then like he just fucking shows up yeah in, just... in fucking brazil like literally writes himself yeah like which ties in it makes sense because like libby spilled the story and then he shows up and but by that point, we'd forgotten about him, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're here. Fucking draw yourself out again. And how did he even get out of the world? He literally just closes his eyes and, like, clicks his heels three times, and he's back in the real world. Like, how did you know that was going to work, Mike? How did you not have severe anxiety the whole time you were in here, worrying that it wasn't going to work and you were stuck in this 1940s weirdo zone for the rest of your life? How did you know drawing yourself in the exact same position that Brenda was just in was gonna work how did you draw yourself so perfectly that you were i'm overthinking it i know at this point but like <laughs> i kind of i like don't get me wrong i enjoy it like i'm imperfectly happy when things are like how did she get her powers a curse or born with it born with it okay done <laughs> don't need don't need frozen too but um oh, yeah this yeah. this didn't have anything at all and it's just like how did you know that would work he's <laughs> It's it's really it's really kind of crazy that it does and and also like and then he he blinks himself into the comic but it's like the next day in the comic world even though it's like literally five minutes later in like the real world which yeah is, is very interesting to me like implication wise like if the comic world is like living its own life at the same time as the real world but it's like the timeline is faster that's very strange and confusing but um, it is it's like Narnia so when he leaves is he in the past or in the future or in the present is does he pick up from where he left off or has time passed and his family are like he never came home what the fuck where have you been and he'll be like ah my comic book <laughs> i like the idea that like it's his mind in the comic book and like his bot he's just like physically sitting out there like with his eyes closed and like his editor comes to check on him and he's just like mike what's up and mike is just like <laughs> sitting there with his eyes closed he's like okay process i guess keep like, up we... the good work 
uh, we'll ignore that phone call we had where you rang me to be like, Brenda's left the magazine. Yeah, what a weird <laughs> thing. Like, that would not be my first thought. If my comic book character came to life, spoke to me, and then disappeared, I would not ring my editor and be like, you'll never guess what just happened. I would be like, okay, I'm going to go out for a walk because I might be crazy. And then when you come back and it's still there, be like, okay, now I'm going to think about jumping into the panels of the comic book to chase my character down. But I'm definitely not going to inform my editor. <laughs> like, that is the last yeah. thing I'm going to do. What a crazy thing to do. And, and also, like, why didn't he, he never even tried drawing her back. Like, we don't know. Like, yeah. this whole movie could have maybe not happened if he just, like, he could have drawn her again. Like, was there just something physically preventing him from drawing exactly. the star into that panel again? Like, And then, like, and then would there be, like, two Brendas in the, like, comic book world? Because that could have been a whole movie in that itself. That would be interesting. That would be really cool. Sort of like Last Starfighter style, where they sent down another Alex Rogan to take his place on Earth while he's in space fighting aliens. And they have to deal with, yes. like, yeah. I love but less movie. creepy and terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think it would be pretty creepy. It could still be pretty creepy and terrifying. Like if you're if you're if you're going about your everyday business and then another version of you pops up trying to do the exact same business, I I feel like that would be absolutely nightmarish. Like Oh, I guess that movie already kind of exists because then I was like, How would you prove it's the real Brenda? And then I was like, Oh, well you'd do a buzz light year. And then I was like, Oh <laughs> that's that storyline already done in Toy Story Two and the shop brought buzz with the manual settings still intact meets the like andy buzz and the two because i would be like because the like new brenda would be fresh and like doing everything the artist said and would be more sort of like almost doll like and it's sort of like i've got to do the right thing whereas rebellious brenda is already in like south america doing stuff much like the buzz who's realized he is a toy is more chill and the like store-bought bras isn't so it's 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 i came up with the plot for toy story 2. <laughs> <laughs> good job you're gonna make millions of dollars I'm on that movie so much money <laughs> oh let me just beat pixar to it <laughs> time machine <laughs> that's what i would use that for <laughs> that's the first thing i'll do when i get my time machine <laughs> Go back in time and write Toy Story too. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good choice. It's peaceful, at least. You know, I don't have to be in too much danger. Um, but yeah. Oh my god, this was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of fun too. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, tell us about all of your various podcasts that you're part of and where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I am uh, an AP podcaster. I do uh, actual plays. So um, the two that I have going on right now that are ongoing are uh, The Lucky Die, which is a D&D &D actual play about a bunch of people who uh, are in were in jail for various things at the end of the world and find out what happens to them. I don't want to go into more detail than that Ooh. because other that's just literally like <laughs> you'll find out more in the first episode. Anyway, I can't highly recommend it enough. We're we're literally starting season two in like two weeks, I guess. Nice. will be coming out. So um and then I'm also doing Not a Test, uh which is a Remember X podcast. Um 
which is a uh, very 80s speaking of 80s movies this is it's an 80s horror suburban uh story uh very much like stranger things nice. um and we actually we are taking a hiatus uh due to pandemic but uh in the mi- meantime of our hiatus we actually today on the day that we're recording this uh so it will have already launched by the time that this comes out but we've launched we're launching uh, a limited series podca- podcast uh on the same feed called command droids welcome to the machine which is uh, i don't know if you like transformers um i, I have no opinion on this <laughs> fair enough uh so if 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 you're if you in the audience like transformers it is a story about a bunch of transforming alien robots uh, end up in Miami 1986 so definitely check that out that sounds really cool yeah I'm pretty nice. excited about it amazing so just check those out um probably type them into google or come up like all across your normal podcasting platforms super cool um yeah thank you so much this has been so much fun thank you for <laughs> having me <laughs> absolutely um Check out Brenda Star if you can. If you can find it in the depths of the internet, do because it's genuinely really fun. Like just stick it on on like a Sunday afternoon. Like it's 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 good for kids. It's good for adults. Like it really is just like fun. Like it's sort of Indiana Jones vibes, but like better because there's a woman in it. Like fuck <laughs> 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 Indiana Jones. Um, So yeah, uh, thank you so much and we'll see you next time on Why the Spell. Bye! Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Fern Gully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Fern Gully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Fern Gully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why this film podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies and I hope you do too.